Chapter 42 The End Pickett was afraid, but seeing Jupiter's air on the ground, seeing that monster poised above, and hearing his laughing taunts changed something in Pickett. He was afraid, but a violent fury rose in him, drowning out his fear. Red-Eye Garlickson spoke. How now, young prince? Where is your keeper? Has your long treader betrayed you as well? I think so. He cackled, his gravel voice rattling out. No one will come for you. My wolves have done their work. My spy has done his work. You, like your father, are doomed. You can never kill enough of us, Small said. Pickett wasn't surprised to find his friend's voice even, steady. Another will rise in my place and deal death to you, just as my father did to yours. Pickett inhaled. He felt for the grip of his sword hilt. A harsh growl rose in the wolf's throat. I'll snap your neck, Jupiter Smalls, he barked, and feel nothing but delight. Pickett stepped out, ready for a wild run at the wolf, but froze when he heard another voice. Lord Morbin waits. This voice did not belong to any wolf, and it sounded familiar to Pickett. Very familiar. He ducked back behind the tree, stealing glances at the shadowy scene. The rest are prepared for Akolin, and Lord Morbin wants him added to their number. A crown jewel for his treasure, however, he said, and Pickett saw him emerge from beneath the shadows of the trees across the clearing. He said it didn't matter much to him whether this rabbit prince lived or died. Of course, you do not have quite the score to settle with him, and the setting is just too delicious here. I think perhaps we should kill him. Pickett saw who it was and knew why the voice was so familiar. Garden Longtreader. Pickett gasped. He looked so much like father. He tried to keep his breathing even and made ready to spring into a last desperate attack. But when he looked again, the gray rabbit was rifling through small satchel. He stopped, smiled, and removed his hand. In his hand, fused with the last of the day's light, gleamed a large emerald. Over his uncle's left shoulder, Pickett saw two massive birds leave their high perches and fly toward the center of Jupiter's crossing, where Garden Longtreader was poised to order the murder of Jupiter's heir. One was a giant eagle, and the other a hawk. Not Morbin Blackhawk himself, Pickett knew, but these two were like him, massive, terrible, and cruel. Pickett almost fainted. Paralyzed with fear, he found it nearly impossible to move, but move he must. He breathed deeply and thought of Master Helmer. How I wish you were here with me, you mad old soldier. He fingered his sword hilt, but left it sheathed. An old image of the Starseat game came to his mind, and he relaxed, remembering Heather and the family he loved, the cause they all believed in and for which he was laying down his life. And the Starseat game reminded him of another thing, of how his mind worked, of what he was good at. He gave one last hasty look at the scene, then whipped back behind the tree, his back plastered to the trunk. He closed his eyes and quickly mapped out his foolhardy attack. One breath. He smacked the tree, drumming out the fear. Another breath. He remembered, with a welling fury, his family's ruined name, the attack on his home, his parents, and baby Jack's. One last breath. He thought of the cruel treachery revisiting the royal household here. It must be now. He ran from his cover and straight for the center of the field. Garton Longtreader examined the green ember with satisfaction, and Red-Eye Garlickson moved to kill Prince Jupiter Smalls. Pickett had covered half the field when he was spotted. Garlickson raised his head, a grim delight on his face. He seemed to recognize Pickett. 
Garton may have too, for he stepped back quickly and tripped, spilling the emerald high into the air. The birds didn't wait. They flew straight at Pickett, the foremost one, the eagle, swooping low with his talons poised. Pickett never stopped. He ran faster. The hawk circled behind, directly above Garlickson, behind and above the speeding eagle. Pickett saw how it was. They would take him in turns. When Pickett was a few yards from the swooping eagle, he went as low as he could, shortening his strides and dropping low to the earth. The eagle smiled a terrible, knowing smile. The smile seemed to say he had seen small creatures try this desperate action a hundred times, that rabbits were always so very afraid and sank low, but it never helped. They were nearly face to face now, the screeching eagle so close. The eagle dropped lower, and as he did, Pickett sprang suddenly up, leaping hard and quick directly at the eagle. The eagle's face showed shock, confusion. He lashed out with his talons, but he had hesitated. Pickett raised his powerful feet and soared just past the grasping talons, kicking the eagle's head and landing heavily on the predator's back. From there, Pickett sprang again, using the bird's firm back to launch higher into the air. The eagle was driven hard to ground and knocked senseless by the succeeding blows to his head and back and the unmoving earth. Meanwhile, Pickett flew. He sailed through the air with terrific force right at the circling hawk. This bird, stunned by what he'd seen, extended his wings and tried to beat back a short, regrouping retreat. It was too late. Pickett spun forward in the air, feet overhead. As the bird's wings extended, Pickett planted his powerful feet directly in the hawk's middle. It was a devastating kick. The hawk was knocked back, breathless, to fall spiraling to earth. Pickett's momentum had been arrested in midair. Beneath him, Red-Eye Garlickson stood stunned. He swerved from Smalls to face this rabbit falling like a meteor from the sky. Pickett did fall. He fell fast. As he did, he drew his sword for the first time in one deft lightning motion. Garlickson turned and looked up just in time to see the flashing blade that ended his life. He lay dead on the ground as the red sun set. Pickett rose slowly to his full height, breathing hard. He stared at his sword and at the lifeless wolf. A moment later, Pickett sliced the ropes that held Smalls and helped him up. Garton Longtreader had fled, at first crawling, then running into the woods. The stunned hawk was nowhere to be seen. My brother, Smalls said, clasping Pickett's hand. Pickett smiled. My place beside you, my blood for yours, till the green ember rises or the end of the world. Smalls nodded gravely. He bent to find his sword. It was lying right beside a bright green gem. Smalls slid on his satchel and returned the stone to its depths. We need to go, Smalls said, sheathing his sword. But as he did, the woods ahead came alive. A row of wolves appeared, nearly fifty strong, snarling furiously as they looked on their dead captain. Pickett shook his head. Of course. Master Helmer said there are no happy endings. Smalls smiled sadly at Pickett. Let's make it a good end, he said. Yes, my lord, Pickett said, bowing quickly. Somehow he felt unstoppable. Let's make them remember. They drew their blades and stood, side by side, shoulder to shoulder, at the center of Jupiter's crossing. The wolves charged, teeth bared and spears poised. Pickett braced himself for the end. But before the attacking wolves got halfway to the rabbits, they slowed, then stopped. Their expressions changed. They hesitated, eyes widening. Pickett heard a noise from behind. He turned. A host of furious rabbits crashed into the clearing. Uncle Wilfred was at their head, and beside him, Helmer. 
They were flanked by soldiers, captains, and lords from various citadels and from the forest guard. Lord Rake, Lord Victor Blackstar, Captain Fry, Hayward, and a hundred others charged in. For Jupiter's blood and Jupiter's air, Uncle Wilfred cried. For the green ember, Lord Blackstar shouted. They drew even with Smalls and Pickett, and all advanced together, putting the ragged band of wolves to flight.